The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. My name is Mike, uh, and it is an honor to be able to share up here what God has done in my life and what I think he's doing in this neighborhood, and I invite you into that conversation tonight as we build off of what we were talking about the last four weeks. If you're just joining us, okay, we've been looking at this idea for four weeks about kind of life out of death and how Jesus' death provides life for us. We're going to start a new series tonight that's a little more, uh, I'm going to call it inwardly focused of looking at ourselves and how we respond to that in the world we live in. And this, I just want to make two quick statements before we get going on that. Number one, this, there's not a lot of mentioning Jesus in what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, and that's weird. Even as I went over my notes, you know, today, I thought we don't talk about Jesus much. And uh, based off of what we we're talking about before, I think that's okay. But just to know that without Jesus, none of this works. None of this makes sense. He is the center of what we believe here. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense without him right in the middle of the picture. But tonight and in this series, we're going to step back from that picture a little bit and try to get a bigger view about what God has done, what his creation is, and his original intention for us and how we live into that. The second thing I want to point out before we get started is a guy named Tim Keller uh, started, the, not started, but, but really engaged some of these conversations about culture. And a guy named John Mark Comer down in Portland uh, wrote a book called Garden City, which talks a lot about this same idea of culture and how we uh, live into those. And those are two texts we are going to reference a few times throughout this series. I uh, just want to give some, some references to both of those guys uh, before we get going. Uh, with that... Let's jump into what we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to talk about us. We're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about does the stuff that we do matter? How old were you guys when you had your very first job? What's a good age to start working? High school? Freshman? Sophomore? Is that about the time? Who, who thinks they were the youngest person in the room when their parents made them go get a job? How old? Sixth grade. They drove you to work. They dropped you off. What'd you do in sixth grade? A what? A candy counter. Did you, did you take any of the candy? That seems like a good job for a sixth grader. My first job was actually seventh grade. It was only one year later. My parents decided that it was really good for me to get a job and learn how to work. So I worked at a, a gym, a local gym in Bellingham where I grew up. I was a personal trainer. No, I'm just kidding. I was not. Uh, it was like a personal trainer. I called myself a personal trainer. I took a, uh, a washcloth and I washed down all of the equipment when people were done with it. I mostly cleaned up after people and I folded towels when they came out of the dryer. Um, then I started working for my dad. He owned Shell stations. He's in the oil business. Uh, I started calibrating pumps when I got into high school, which is basically making sure that all the pumps give you the amount of gas that you pay for. Uh, and so I learned how to do that. That was kind of a fun job. Also painted houses for a while when I got into college. Uh, I was a valet, uh, Parker, when I got into college. Worked at a lot of restaurants um, downtown here. 
Uh, that was pretty cool. But I think the most unusual job that I have had is after my freshman year of college, I was hired as the lead security guard at a meat packing plant, <laughs> a slaughterhouse. Okay, outside of Bellingham, little city called Ferndale up there. We got any Whatcom County people in the house? I got hired because in the previous month, they had three break-ins. Do you know who breaks in to a slaughterhouse? What'd you say? Not vegetarians. That's a good idea. Actually, that's the picture I had in my head. I thought people are breaking in. They're stealing big racks of beef, you know, and just kind of walking off. But they don't. In fact, I don't know much about this. Maybe if you watch Breaking Bad, you know this a lot better. But one of the main ingredients in creating methamphetamine is actually found in meatpacking plants because it's somehow used to like cool the atmosphere to keep it right at like 34 degrees so that the meat doesn't uh, freeze. It can't freeze or it goes bad. Or not bad, it's just not worth as much because high steakhouses don't take it. So they said these people are breaking in. If they do, they're, uh, you know, don't mess with them. And there's another group of people that's going to break in as well. Animal rights activists. They're going to break in and they, they broke in and they cut the machinery. So they try to mess with everything. They said, if those people break in, don't worry, they're not dangerous. Feel free to engage them and, and you know, kind of scare them away. But if the people who break in are in the drug lord business, don't do anything. And, and they go, here's your weapons. I was sweet. I'm going to get a gun and I'm going to protect this place. So they handed me a flashlight and they handed me a cordless phone, which I did not need. I had a cell phone. Uh, and they said, if anybody breaks in, just hide and call the police. I did not tell my friends that's what I did. I told them that I was the head security guard. But essentially, if anything was to happen, I would be right here. Hello? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, like, that was my job, to sit and watch and then, and then hide. It wasn't the most glorious job on the planet. Um, when I look at the number of jobs I had, they were good jobs. They taught me how to work hard. But when I was a part of them, not a lot of those jobs did I take a ton of ownership in. Because I, even though there was a purpose, yes, there was a purpose for me being there and calling the cops so that somebody didn't break in and steal something or cut the machinery. But I didn't feel a lot of personal fulfillment. I was there to collect a paycheck. That was it. If, you know, if they would have paid me more, I'd maybe stay a long time. But I didn't care whether I stopped somebody from breaking in or not wasn't a huge concern for me. I got paid either way and I was really there just to get paid. I didn't find a lot of purpose in what I was doing. I was an employee. Well, when I got to college, I was a construction management major here, and I worked a couple internships uh, in that field, and, and it was a good field. It's a great major. I've met a handful of construction management majors here, and, and there are a lot of great jobs that have a lot of ability to do really well in this city, but when I was working internships, I was working with people that they were just punching the clock. They were just waiting to get done at the end of the day, couldn't wait to go home, couldn't wait to take a smoke break, and I, it was, it was a little bit hard feeling like there wasn't a huge purpose to what we were doing at the time, even though there was. And so when I got offered an opportunity to intern here and, and then to kind of continue on in, in this line of work, being a pastor, I got really excited. I got excited about what I was doing because God had been so instrumental in my own life and my own faith in college and then changed so much about me that I thought the opportunity to be a part of that for college students was really exciting for me. So I got really excited. I, and this is my 11th year in this line of work. And, and it is. It's, you know, I, I, I get excited uh, about what I get to do. And, and I think that, that what we're looking for is purpose. And this is what I love about college students. 
right now is there's a search for purpose in everything that we do. We ask why a lot. Why am I doing that? Why am I studying that? We change majors a bunch, you know, because we just want to make sure I'm, I'm coming out of here and I'm doing the thing that means something. I don't just want to take a job. We don't just want to take jobs that provide a living. We want to do something that has purpose, that we feel it's, it's meaningful to us. I think that's a good thing. I love that about college students. Your pursuit for purpose in life is a great thing. And every once in a while, whether it's in your profession or not, and if you get in a profession that you feel like this all the time, that's a fun thing. Uh, but sometimes in life, right now, there are moments that we go through. There are things we do that we sign up for, we get involved in, or, or we just do for fun. And, and we use this phrase sometimes, oh my gosh, like that brought me to life. I felt like I was created for that. And then if we're lucky, we get more of those in our life. And, and if that doesn't happen, if we go through life and we don't have very many of those experiences, that's tough because those are some of the moments we come alive. We get involved as an event plan or something. We plan some event. Lots of people come. They have this incredible time. It serves the purpose, a wedding or a fundraiser or something. And people leave and they're super appreciative and you love attention to detail and you just leave feeling, man, that's what I was created for. I was created to do this. That's a feeling that I hope that we get to have more in life. If we're going to have that feeling, if we're going to think that way, at times I think it's important to know and to talk about what is it that we have been created for? Why have we been created? What's the purpose for that? And that's what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. And, and to do that tonight, we're going to back up all the way to the beginning of the Bible Okay, we are going to start in Genesis 1, the, the creation story. Okay, and look at a little bit of the intention of what was God's intention when he created us. And so uh, for those that haven't read the first chapter of Genesis and the first 25 verses basically talks about God creating the heavens and the earth, saying he has created everything. Everything that exists, God created. He took disorder Okay, in chaos, and he brought about order. He created purpose and structure. And that takes us right to the place we find ourselves in verse 26. You can put that up there. It says this, after he created everything, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every, every living creature that moves on the ground. Okay, here's what's going on. God creates the heavens, the earth, the mountains, the rivers, the animals, the plants, the trees, basically everything in creation he has made. And then he stops and he separately creates humans set apart, different than everything else that he created. 
did not create human beings to be the same as animals. He did not create human beings to be the same as as plants or trees or mountains. He created human beings differently in his image with a purpose. There's a separation there. That purpose is explained. Bring that highlight up a little bit. Um, He creates us with a purpose and and he gives us a, a few things and the first it says is, is that they, we would rule. It's kind of an interesting one. The humans would rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Okay, the other thing he says is that humans would fill the earth, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Again, to rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. All right, so the middle part of this, okay, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, kind of self-explanatory. If you need me to explain that one to you, uh, we have some interns, they'll explain that. (laughs) Um, We can talk about what that means later on. But if we look at us as humans, we've done a pretty good job of that. Seven billion people later in our world, we've been fruitful. We've learned how to multiply. Didn't take humans too long to figure that one out. But what is the intention here behind ruling and subduing the earth? All right, so I think sometimes when we think about our purpose, I don't know if you've heard this, maybe growing up in the church, but one of the things that that I've heard at times is, what is our purpose? What have we been created for? Well, we've been created to worship God. God has created us in his image to worship him. And yes, that is a true statement. I believe that. But I, but I think a lot of that, this has to do with our understanding of the word worship. Now, for like me, when I think of worship, the first thing I think about is, is singing songs, is what we do here. We got this great music team. We call them our worship band. They lead us in, in singing songs about God or to God here on church at Sunday. And, and sometimes when I think about just worshiping God for eternity, the picture in my head is it's just kind of a big God in the center of the room and just millions of people spread out around just kind of singing songs to God and about God. And I'm just going to point this out. That, that image is kind of weird. That's, it's kind of a weird thought. Like if we were to create something like, like smaller than, than us, maybe in our image, and the whole purpose of that was just to, to sing to us and be around us, it's, it's kind of a weird idea. I don't mean to be disrespectful to God. It's just it's kind of a, it's a weird thought if we were doing that. And a lot of this hinges on our belief and our interpretation of the word worship. Well, if we look at this text and we read it in the original Hebrew, we see a word that is talked about with worship in the Old Testament that is also translated in another way, work. And the truth is, is that these two things, work and worship, are tied together very closely. And they have a lot to do with each other. And and within worshiping, we find working. And when we look at a God that created us with a certain purpose, it's not just to sit in a circle and sing, but to worship through what we do, which is why in the garden, God gives us a purpose. The work that he gives Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall of man, before sin enters the world is to work and to work with purpose. 
So why were you created? We're going to keep coming back to that question. What it showed us there in that original text is we were created to rule, to fill the earth and subdue it, to actively partner with God as co-creators. Okay, God has blessed us. He set us apart. He's called us good. And then he has empowered us to harness creation's potential and create beauty out of chaos. We were made to do good. People were created to work and to do good in the world. I know what you're thinking right now. Get a little water. I ate too many cookies and ice cream before this. How about those cookies, huh? I don't know who baked them, but thank you. Thank you, everybody. Those were phenomenal. All right, I know what you're thinking. Mike, if we were created to do good, why do we look out at the world and everything is so messed up? Why do we live in the world that we do? How come people haven't chosen to do good? It doesn't feel like people are creating in God's image. It feels like people are messing this place up. And I do not disagree with you. I think the same things. And I have this in conversation with students a lot. When I look at the world, I think the same thing. We do. There's a lot of messed up things about our world. We see a ton of poverty and racism and injustice and slavery around us. We see people held down. We see people hurt all the time. We see poor. We see lonely. We see depression. Why is the world that we have been in, you know, empowered to be co-creators so messed up if we are made in the image of God and given the power to co-create alongside him in this world? That's a hard question. I'm going to let Caitlin talk about that next week. Um, truth is, Caitlin is going to come, our intern, and she's going to share with us a little bit, looking kind of at past the fall of man. A lot happened when Adam and Eve chose that they wanted to be God in their life. They wanted to be the ones to decide right and wrong. They didn't want to trust God. I wanted to be God. And that choice has led to all kinds of choices in our life outside of this perfect garden that we were put in that have led to all kinds of chaos and brokenness in our world. But my hope with what we're talking about here is not that we would look at the world and go, man, that's messed up. God, how could you exist in a world that's this messed up? I can't believe in a God if, 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 if there's somebody in charge and he has messed, and this world is still this messed up. Not that we would think that, but instead we would look out at a world that we have been empowered to be co-creators and say, what is God put in me that I can use to bring love and good and justice in our world? How can I help make things right the way that God intended? Because God did not just create and then stop. He created, and then he co, or created us as co-creators to continue creating. We were designed to influence. We were designed to make culture. We were put here as influencers of the culture around us. 
I want to talk about this idea of culture because that's really what we're talking about, culture. What does that mean? It's the heart of what we're looking at. What, what is culture? Well, everything that we do has a certain culture to it. Okay, culture is really defined as a shared belief, uh, shared beliefs and values of a certain group of people. Okay, and because this culture that we're a part of is really defined by the people that are in it. It's defined by the relationships that people within something have. The relationships that we have with God, the relationships that we have with each other, and the relationships that we have with the earth and the stuff around us. That creates the culture. And everything has a culture. Okay, the, the inn. There is a culture here at the inn. And I have a friend who, uh, he, he works and he's always telling me about the way that he has created the culture specifically with a, a specific idea of what's important within his workspace. I got him to share a little bit uh, with us tonight of, of kind of what's important. Liked. Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked, but it's not like this compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. How many of you guys love the office in here? New rule, office clip every week. Um, Michael Scott has created a culture. Right, if you watch this show, if you, if you know the whole show, the whole premise is that there's a guy who is way more concerned with being liked by everybody around him at work that all of his employees would also be his friends than he is with getting any sort of business done. He doesn't care about how much money they make, how productive the office is. He constantly is taking breaks from work or telling people they don't need to work as hard just so they will like him more. It's all about being liked. And if you watch the show, you pick up that, that there's a certain culture that is created because of that, that employees don't need to work super hard to get ahead as long as they can like, like the boss. And he feels like they like him. That is the culture that is created there. And the same is true in, in environments for you, in your classes, in your home. Where you live, there's a certain culture that's created based off of the relationships in it. Okay, you might live in a house where everyone comes home and they hang out in a main space and there's a lot of interaction with each other and it's a positive environment and people affirm each other and they encourage each other and look to serve each other. And you guys might have an outside view where you're trying to bring other people in and trying to help out the community around you and people might be excited and, and by that environment. You know, you might have a negative environment where you live. You might be thinking, oh, this, I have a kind of a negative house I live in. People put each other down or they immediately separate. Don't really talk that much. Our environment might be created. Our culture might be created because of the devices in our life. I separate myself from the people around me. I'm on my phone. I'm on my computer. That's the culture that we're a part of. I hear people talk about their dorms all the time. I like this dorm. I don't like this dorm. This dorm isn't very social. It's set up in such a way that the doors separate and I can't even meet people if I try. There's a culture that's created because of that and then people are choosing whether they want to be a part of that or they don't want to be a part of that based off of what the culture is. And culture matters. The culture of your environment matters. This culture, this idea originally came from very early on in the Bible when people started creating culture. Cultivate, so where it comes from when people started cultivating the land. They started trying to cultivate the land in order that things may, may produce more 
uh, vegetables, more fruit, better things? How do we make the land in such a way that it produces better things? And over time, that has moved into different aspects of life. People look at materials and go, how do I create culture with this material? Tim Keller defines it, okay, culture, as taking the raw materials of life, okay, and rearranging them in such a way for human flourishing. We are creating culture. Sometimes we're taking sounds, we're rearranging them, we're making music. We're taking paint, we're rearranging it, we're making art. We're rearranging things to to form education, to build houses, to make a delicious sandwich. We are rearranging things in such a way to bring beauty. Some of you might not appreciate a good sandwich. I do. The question is, though, are we doing this in such a way that God intended us to? And to do that, I want to look back at the Bible. Okay, after Adam and Eve, uh, I pointed up there, but we're not going to show any script text. I don't know why I did that. Um, after Adam and Eve leave the garden or kind of, you know, their, their sin entered into life, all of a sudden culture starts being created. What we see is people start farming. They take it to a new level. We see people early in Genesis start to plant vineyards, make wine, start to produce new kinds of food. They start to uh, mine gold and they start to shape gold into things of, of beauty. They invent the brick and learn how to build houses and towers, and civilization starts to be created. People are creating culture, art. They're learning science okay, of how the world works, and they're shaping the earth into what it is to be. And some of this is awesome. A lot of what is created, the culture around us is awesome because God has created us in his image, and he's given us the opportunity to create. Sometimes when we look at things, okay, we say, oh, that is a Christian song, or that is a Christian store, or this, oh, I was reading a Christian book. And, and yes, there are certain things in life that talk more about God. So there's probably a book that may feel more Christian than another book. But the truth is, is that any book, any music has a, a some level of Christianness to it. It's not a word, don't write it down. Um, as if you guys take notes. Um, there's some level of Christianness to it because the creator of it, a person, has been is someone that is created in God's image. Okay, I think of a great example. Okay, our phone is an incredible device. It has been created for good. There are certain great things about it because the people that created it, lots and lots of people it took to make something like this, okay, have been created in the image of God. And so now we get to connect with other people that we wouldn't otherwise get to connect with. We get to look things up. We get to do all kinds of things that are good and healthy and, and bring life. But we also get to use it for destruction in our life. We also get to use it to separate. We also can, can be alone. We can do anything we want. We can look at stuff that's not healthy for us in our life. We can send really rude texts to people at one in the morning. You would never do that, though. Okay, we can do a lot of good and we can do a lot of bad with the same thing because we've been created in God's image, but there's also a part of us that lives after the fall where there's evil in our world. We see that in the Bible. We see that all throughout. People are great. They're creating really good things, but yet there's, there's, there's people that we see evil and so much bad in them as well. Okay, David in the Old Testament is a great example of this. This is a guy who wrote part of the Bible. He slayed Goliath, okay? He frees a ton of people. He's the king that everybody loves. He's, a, he's called a man after God's own heart. 
There's all this good about him. And yet this is the same dude that sees a woman like bathing on top of a different building, decides that he wants her, goes and takes her, okay? And after getting her pregnant, decides that he wants to kill her husband so that he doesn't find out about it. And this is a guy who is the guy that's created after God's own heart. We have the opportunity to do good. We have the opportunity to hurt people. It's the way we're created. It's a mixed bag of both these things in our life. This is the huge risk that God is taking by putting us here as co-creators. All right, so what does all this mean for us today? It means that the stuff that we do matters. What we do matters. And I'm not just talking about your job, okay, or or the job that you want to do when you graduate college. I'm talking about anything that you choose to give your life to, raising kids, relationships around you, volunteering. And yeah, what you do that earns an income, all the work of life, what you do matters. We were all created with different gifts and different talents and different abilities. And we get to do different stuff with that. My profession is I pastor a community. And every once in a while, I get the chance to speak like this and talk about Jesus and talk about the Bible. And it's something that, you know, over the last 11 years have discovered like it's really, it's life giving. I love it. I feel like, you know, I, I want people to understand how much Jesus loves them. And, and I feel like I'm connected to a profession that gets to use some of the gifts and the passions that I have. But it does not make my job more holy than your job. It's not a better job. I could have gone into to construction management. I could have worked in that field. And I could have used the gifts that God has given me to bring good and love and justice and work hard and, and, and empower people with anything that I was given. You're not better if you work for a church than if you work at Starbucks. It's not more holy if I live in a Christian house rather than live in a fraternity. I'm not a better Christian if I'm studying theology than if I'm studying business. Truth is, is that we may not be called to a specific profession in life. I want to finish with that idea. We're going to finish with this and and then it'll wrap up and then we'll kind of pick up next week. And I hope that you come back and join us next week as these four weeks really kind of fit together to really look at what it is. And if not, listen online to what we're talking about. And I hope you get a lot out of what we're talking about here. But I want to close with this idea is that we may not be called to this specific profession, but we are called by God, made in his image and his likeness, made good and set apart to do a certain type of work. We're here to continue the work that God started in the beginning. Because creation, the garden, was not intended to be static. 
Creation is on the move. It's not staying in the same place. We're not trying to go back to the garden. Okay, we're trying to make this whole earth more garden-like. Which is that same intention to take whatever it is that God has put in you and use it in such a way that brings you life and you feel like this is what I've been created for and I get to do good. The world is going somewhere. It is becoming something. The culture of this earth is being created. The culture of your house is being created. The culture of our neighborhood in this place here at the end is being created. Are you taking ownership over that and helping to create it in such a way as God intended? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you uh, for this time. God, as we step back and look at a picture of, of the way that things were intended, God, and take a look at ourselves and the world and who you are and what you've created us for. God, I pray that this, what this does is it does not lead us to get so consumed with ourselves. God, but in such a way that we understand ourselves better and your desire for us better, that we may give up our life in such a way to know you and to serve you and to find intimacy in your love. God, I pray that the culture being created in this place all those here tonight would be one of love and acceptance. God, one that points to your grace and your mercy. God, one that raises you up, makes a big deal out of you. God, by understanding that and looking at you, we may understand ourselves a little bit better. Amen.